Hello and welcome to another episode of Laying Down the Lower 40k, a lore podcast in which we aim to separate our Dukari from our Dark Angels, our Tyranids from our Tau, and our Craft Worlds from our Chaos Marines, and generally ask, what's up with this Warhammer 40k stuff? My name is Ben Barber, and I know pretty much fuck all about 40k. With me is my co-host, Christopher Crallen Allen. Will Darren ever grow up? No. He knows absolutely <laughs> fuck all about 40k. Absolutely fuck all. And my dear brother Darren. Speak, priests! Who knows so much about 40k, it's a wonder he has time to do anything else. Over the years, this dichotomy between our levels of understanding became clear, and this series is an attempt to address that ignorance. Hello. <laughs> again. Okay. One more time. <laughs> again and again and again and again. <laughs> and again and again and again and again. And again, and your, again, your and hair again. is looking majestic as fuck today, Dar. You look like some Thanks sort very of much. Shoreditch hairdresser. You know the images that they have in in the windows. You can be like, he I would like the, a number four, please. Yeah, but it's like a before and after for a service they offer the homeless. <laughs> Honestly, you yeah. could be like a, a middle aged hair and beard like solve poster boy bloke. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like the Andrew like a, Tate of like hair. The, the daddy hipster, definitely. <laughs> Do you know what he looks like? He looks like that AI image that one of the um, the Discord boys did the other day, doesn't he? <laughs> like, it was like a, a Shoreditch port podcaster or something. And it just had these oh, I saw like, that image, yeah. yeah but terrifying. I think uh, it, like if you compare the images, he obviously redid the uh, kind of instructions and ended it with add 20% more fat. <laughs> Ooh, what a bitch. <laughs> Oh, about myself, yeah, you're allowed to be a bitch about yourself, Kral. You I didn't that, say you weren't. I'm just saying, still, what a bitch, Kral. So no, no top today. Then are we are we doing the whole episode topless? Is that we? I mean, I am. You're welcome you... to join. I, I I positively encourage you to join both of you. Come on, tops I'm off. In, I'm in the proverbial way. The proverbial way. I just had a proverbial way. <laughs> I'm just really, I'm really concerned that like we've gone from t-shirts to tank top to given Chris's majestic stature I can only describe as a wank top <laughs> fine whatever <laughs> That's, thank you I, I do appreciate the camera position though Kral your, your nipples are just out of shot so if we can well I don't want to be cancelled you know what like these <laughs> hang on automated censored systems are like whoop whoop oh, nipples oh, no, ahoy nipples no that's ahoy. not why you'd be cancelled it's fine uh, yeah, <laughs> but now I can't see them he's got Schrodinger's nipples <laughs> yeah they've got electrical tape over them yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a cat there's a cat suckling on one <laughs> and a dog on the other yeah. <laughs> salivating because someone rang a bell <laughs> have you got Pavlov's nipples <laughs> look just because you're jealous that you don't have nipples <laughs> you do look like a twitch bitch <laughs> <laughs> right Kraut Yes. Last episodes, I have some questions for you. Oh shit! Here we go. Okay, I'm gonna, go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make some up. <clears throat> so yeah, go. <clears throat> last, well, what did we cover last episode? What was the general? We title? covered uh, the Imperium's spacefaring navy, which were fucking awesome. I thought, and then we dived into the Astra Militarum. I think so. Basically, you kind of. Your standard human, maybe slightly augmented, but still very, very kickassery kind of Imperium foot soldiery army. Yeah, but in okay, space. Okay, great. Yes. 
new plan. You question me because I was thinking of the episode before that one. Oh. No, no, no. Ask those questions. Uh, yeah, ask them. What, the, okay. the ones about the okay, ecclesiarchy? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, fuck it. Let's have, a, let's have a recap of the pre-pre-episode. Let's see how much we've actually retained. Okay, so what was the Adeptus Ministorum called originally before it was taken on as the state religion? Pass. Who founded it? Do you remember who founded it? He had a funny name. I'm going to ask the audience. Darren. <laughs> it was Fatty Dickus. Uh, biggest Dickus. It was Biggest Dickus. <laughs> That's right. Fucking hell, that door opening in the background is freaky as fuck, isn't it? I told it? you. I told you. Now you can't unsee it. Now you can't unsee it. <laughs> uh, no, ser- seriously, let's recap the act- actual last yeah, episode. Yeah, th- that was two episodes ago, two months ago. Yeah, yeah, what? Yeah. yeah, okay. Right, ask, ask me, Who? Go. Okay, Go. Um, name three of the vessels within the spacefaring navy okay so you had in no particular order a battle cruiser which i think was the biggest one is that right that was the one how many football lengths long was it (laughs) it was four kilometers we didn't discuss that i think i I, yeah i think you may have asked that but nobody uses that as a standard metric for uh (laughs) size so i think it was like five miles long was it five kilometers? Miles? Five kilometers. I think it was about five or six miles. I think it was the five big six. one. Yeah, yeah. Well, which one is it? <laughs> Can't be both. Is it five Furlongs. or six miles? Five. It was. <laughs> hang on. I've just done it here. It was 7.5 million ping pong tables in length. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of ping pong. <laughs> ping pong, bitch. Um, <laughs> or, I beg your pardon, to use the old colonial phrase, whiff waff. Yeah. <laughs> so that so the the battle cruiser was the big one, and then you had um, destroyers. Yeah, I think they were the smallest out of the out of the, the smallest of class. the big ones. The smallest of and the then, main fleet, I believe. Yeah. Oh fuck! I can't remember. You'd know. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember cruiser. the third one. There was cruisers. Cru- yeah, I think there was there was the there was the Grand Cruiser, which was just basically a hench cruiser yeah. that could just plow oh, into okay. shit as well. Heavily was it armored. a battle barge? Is the name of the biggest That's one. That's the Space Marine one. That's the Space Marine one. Okay. They have their own. <clears> they have <throat> like a tugboat. Two main types of battleship for Space Marines is the Battle Barge uh, and the Strike Cruiser. And the Battle Barge can carry, I think it's three or four battle companies worth of Space Marines for planetary assault. And a Strike Cruiser just carries one company. How many is in a company? A hundred Marines. hundred Plus right, okay. uh, ancillary staff. Right, I think okay. what fascinated me most about, I mean, the armaments and, and, and whatnot were really impressive, but what I really mm. enjoyed about the lore of that was how, like in the whole of the Imperium, technology had halted and even regressed. So you yeah. were mm. painting this picture of several hundred crew members pulling and loading one shell yeah. into a huge yeah. gun barrel when they had perfectly good winches and they could have mechanized that quite simply, but they just hadn't joined the dots. They sound quite simple, the the Imperium. Mm. Uh, 
in many ways. In a way, yes, I suppose. If we're we're using, if we're disparaging their intelligence, they are um, thick, superstitious. <laughs> Let's call it right. superstitious. Superstitious. Uh, oh, no winches. Technology. We knew winches. That'll bring down the reins of chaos. Hang on a second. You're able to switch that calculator on. You must be a psyker. Kill He's, a <laughs> He's a witch. He's a duck. He spelled a word um, with the calculator. Boobies. <laughs> Boobliss. <laughs> what else can we ask about the spacefaring navy? I don't know. I can't really ask it. I can discuss it. Go I, li- discuss I like it. the fact that like each ship was like a miniaturized version of the Imperium. You had like the uh, a member of the Ecclesiarchy on there. You had your even traders and whatnot on there. Oh, it was like a small on fire. I, I, list- I literally listened back to the episode about an hour ago whilst I was walking the dog because I was like, shit, we're going to have to recap. <laughs> <laughs> so, And I got about, I would say, a third or a half way through the second half, which was all about the, um, sorry, what was I, I said it at the beginning, I don't even know what the fuck, Astartes Militarium or something? Is that right? Yeah, star, oh. a, the Astro Militarum. Astro Militarium, yeah, 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 okay. So Ben, define the Astro Militarium. Mita- m- militarium. Militarum. <clears throat> so, isn't, it, isn't it a topical lotion? <laughs> but it is also a force to be reckoned with. New from Pfizer. <laughs> They used to be called the Imperial Guard, and nope. they're ba- the Astra Militarum used to be called. Co- I'm sure they did. Nope. Are you just saying that because you're wanting it to be difficult? You have that look on your face. No. Nope. You're a dick. <laughs> you're Astra Militarum dick. is High Gothic, Imperial Guard is Low Gothic. They oh, used well. to be called the Imperial Army. Well, Bugger me with a fish fork. I knew that. That's 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 that. that's ped. That's the highest level of pedantry I can offer this morning. That's pedantry. Pe- sort yourselves out. <laughs> so they're basically like the the they're like an entire army of SAS. They're like mm. highly highly trained, and they'd they'd often like get piled onto like is it? Did they call them training ships? So they would like yeah, send them ships, to like yeah. a, a a war zone. But they would be training the whole way to that war zone. So they're still they're already badasses when they get on it. And then it's just like 18 months of solid training. Montages. Exactly. Like, yeah. There was, there was lots <laughs> of like Montage. Eye of the Tiger sort of theme music <laughs> just blasting out through the speakers in all of the, the hallways in the ship. And, and oh then at no, the end what's of it, for di- they... what's for dinner? Space tiger eyes again. <laughs> Frosties, and then after all that hassle, they get uh, dispatched at the end into the battle and just get shot straight through between the eyes. Done, <laughs> because yeah. they're all expendable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're basically like badasses, and then they have the badasses of the badasses, which I think were called the Tempestus, the badasserers. Yeah, the ba- they're ba- they're even badasserer than the badasses. <laughs> And yeah, that was about it. That'll anything, fucking anything? do. Moving on. Yeah. Adaptus <sighs> Mechanicus. Adaptus Mechanicus. Adaptus <laughs> yeah. Mechanicus. And who, Adaptus who Mechanicus. did we talk about right at the end of the episode? I don't know. I missed that bit when I was recapping this. Give morning. us a clue. Ninjas. Oh, the assassins. Ooh, 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 ooh. I, I just thought of a question. Quiz time. You forgot them, and that's appropriate because they're stealthy. Well, exactly. And there was loads of different types. So, um, Kral, give us three 
types of assassin. Give us three of the six types. I didn't get to that Give bit us. of the podcast when I was re- listening back this oh, morning. Oh, but you were in the recording last I don't know. Okay. Adeptus. Nope. I was going to say the Legion. <laughs> okay, so you had, um, you had the, the fucking meathead, the guy who their names will come to me, don't you worry. So you had the meathead guy who, like, they basically put him in high. He's just so dangerous. He has to be in hibernation until he's ready to be used. And then they just plop him on a planet and pump him full of drugs, and he goes fucking nuts. And he... Ever sore. Ever sore. He is so sore. He is always sore. <laughs> it's the ever sore. Um, they're training... I, they're, they're actually... The training for them is really gradual. The beginners ever chafed. Uh, and then you've got the um you've got the the dudes that are like hackers essentially they can they can like make one they'll get into your facebook account within two attempts they are yeah exactly yeah yeah and and all they do is they make one little change is it these guys they make one little change and then it causes like a cascading effect one person dies it's mad yes you got the guys who are really, really good at poisons. And again, they can like drop a poison into the water supply of a planet, which will literally kill one person. Um, they have like an amazing knowledge of poisons. You got the snipers, the Vindicare, who, yeah. And then I don't think we need anything more about them. They're fucking snipers. They're badasses. Then there was the kind of, was there ninjas? Do they all shapeshift? They all use that chemical that changes how they look? Uh, they can do, but one temple uses it more than the others, and that's the Kalidas temple. That's the one. Are they the, also the ninja ones? Um, Sure. Yes, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was five, right? What was the sixth? Anti-Psyker. That's the guy. That's the badger. Anti-Psyker. An uncle astronomical. Yep. <laughs> You're smiling way too big at that joke. You should feel bad because that's a joke I would make. <laughs> and I would laugh at it. I would laugh at it. Well, I feel like we've butchered this uh, intro. And Chris, you just listened to the episode. So, um, I mean, I can't really. I just wanted to add. Really criticize. I thought we were recapping the episode before. So, um, I uh, do you remember the rattlings, Ben, in the Astra Militarum. Do you remember who and what they oh, were? Yeah. I love those dudes. They were snipers, right? Yeah. Snipers? Sniper Grove, mate. Sniper Grove. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they also had uh, the Ogryn. Yeah, now hang yeah. on. Explain who the Rattlings were. What kind of ab humans were they? They were half humans. They were halflings. Space halflings. They were halflings, basically. yeah, man. They were like little dodgy yeah. wide boys. So instead of being expert cooks... They were badass snipers. No, as well as. Are they also cooks as well? They're also cooks, and a lot of regiments have them as their quartermasters because there's like a... In America, there's something referred to as the E4 Mafia. So once you get like to... I think it's corporal. I'm I'm sure I'll be shouted at for this. Uh, Or perhaps sergeants as well. It's a grade in in the military called E4, and they're primary skill is being able to get out of everything so they they don't the houdinis do, they, well anecdotally they don't do anything right um, okay but they, they also run like the kind of inter-company inter-regiment black market trading uh, nice which is kind of swapping rather than black market i'm worried i'm going to get put on a list 
<laughs> so uh, quartermasters there they they take care of all of the like ammo and resources yeah. and all and that shit. all the logistics yeah right. last okay. question yeah. last question for you about the last episode which primarch was honored with a tank to be named after them it was the lehman rust tank Easy, no hesitation. Bada bim, bada bomb, done. Shut up, sit down, get out. And there were several types of it, but don't ask me what those types were. No, let's not. One let's of go them, on with the episode. One of them had a gun on it. I think all of them had some sort of gun on them. <laughs> one of them had. <laughs> Otherwise, they're just tracks. big rolling blocks of metal. <laughs> one of them was made out of metal. One of them had a gun that fired Vikings. <laughs> Space Vikings. Uh, interestingly, in ninth edition uh, and recent, uh, you know, we're now on tenth edition. But I think it was one of the last codices to be released was the uh, the Astra Militarum Codex. There is now another tank named after a Primarch, Rogel Dorn. Oh, cool! The defender Borgar. of the Imper- oh, okay. <laughs> No, that Borgar is someone else. It's the Bormobile. <laughs> <laughs> the Bormobile. It just cruises forward boringly. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. uh, interestingly, there, it was a bit, a bit of a scandal within the community because it was released and the model has no bottom. It's an open hull. You just <laughs> well, like uh, the Flintstones. Yeah, basically, you, because you can't see the underside of the model, they didn't bother putting a floor in it. Oh, it wasn't by design. It wasn't in like it wasn't like. Oh a yeah, part it was by design. Yeah. No, but I mean in the lore. <laughs> part like, of the lore, a tank with lore. no butt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. I just can imagine it trying Weird. to run someone over, and they're just lying there looking inside the tank. And just <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. This is weird. Uh, fucking hell! Right. So not so Borgar doesn't have his own tank then. No, not yet. No. I'm sure he will eventually. Yeah. Here comes a Borgar tank. Yawn. Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> Fire the sleep cannon. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dar, what are we doing? So as we've just briefly discussed uh, in the recap, we touched on a lot of uh, vessels, vehicles, and weapons. That's, I tried to Diners, try drive-ins. So, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Almost all of which will have been produced by the Adeptus Mechanicus. That's right, boys and girls, and people who don't identify as either. We're doing an episode on the inventors, uh, mechanics, and tinkerers of the 40k universe. The Amazing. Adeptus Metanic- Metanicus? Yes. Metanicus. The Adeptus Metallicus. Mechanicus. <laughs> the Adeptus Mechanicus. Think mechanic, us, Darren. Us, Think mechanic. <laughs> we have discussed previously how uh, these chaps are in the Imperium, but not of the Imperium. And I thought perhaps a good place to start would be the beginning. So, in the <laughs> in the age once of technology, once upon a time, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're looking at the. Age of technology. Can anyone remember back to our pre-Imperium eras? The age of technology was when there was a huge boom of... STC Technology. Um, so wow. specifically based around the Martian priesthood. 
So in the age of technology, this is where we see the great kind of blossoming of humanity out into the segmentum solar. If listeners recall, that's the kind of sphere, the ma- the maximum distance that could be traveled by, uh, by these generational ships or cryo ships. Uh, so the Imperium back then, or... or Sorry, it's not the Imperium, but the uh, the Empire of Mankind was not that big because warp travel had yet to be uh, implemented, let's say, rather than discovered. How big was it at this point? Just solar system spanning or a few more solar systems? It was 78 billion ping pong ball tables. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> is there is there a oh, limit? It, I mean, it, it, it was hundreds of light years. Okay. Uh, a radius of hundreds of light Even years. Even without warp, they could still travel a, a shitload. Yeah, okay. But they had close to FTL travel, but not true FTL travel. So it, it would take hundreds, if not thousands of years to get to the kind of outer kind of rim, if you'll excuse the phrase, of the um, expansion. Mr. Ben? You said the the maximum kind of distance that they could travel in these generational ships. What limited that? What, why, what, why was the maximum the maximum? Why couldn't they go any further? Will you build a faster than light speed ship, Ben? <laughs> I'm working Jesus. on it, Kral. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, limited in terms of the the technology would simply start to break down, but also it was right. the maximum range of communication that ah, could be done in a kind of timely manner. Right. You would still have issues with kind of prompt responses. Uh, as more worlds are added, obviously the bureaucracy starts to build up. Hmm. So it was uh, during this period that uh, the warp drive was invented. Uh, and at the same time, as we've mentioned previously, quite a coincidence, navigators uh, and the Astronomican came into kind of, or proto-Astronomican came into being. It also saw the invention of the standard template construct, the STCs. Uh, as we saw, these are the spherical uh, brain factories that can produce anything uh, a colony would need uh, to be able to survive, up to and including these uh, huge night uh, weapons platforms, which were originally designed for agriculture. All of this was done with input from the Mechanicum, which is what the Adeptus Mechanicus used to be referred to. The Mechanicum was based on Mars. Mars was a forge world. We have discussed what those are previously, but it is, in effect, a planet-sized factory or a, a planet comprised of millions of factories uh, and data storage centers uh, and uh, I'm sure a Starbucks and an Apple store as well. Those <laughs> fuckers are everywhere. Inevitably. As these colonies came into being, we see the kind of birth of the night worlds. So these are the worlds where these agricultural walkers, these uh, giant bipedal war machines, go from being effectively a tractor to a walking tank. And simultaneously with that, a feudal system is uh, installed on those worlds where the knights belong to knight houses under you know, their leadership and everyone else kind of pays fealty to them. All was going great, all was going sorry, well. Sorry to interrupt before you go on. What happened to those worlds then? Because presumably 
those walkers being agricultural machines, those worlds were agri-worlds. Are they still agri-worlds after they become night worlds? Are they still producing stuff? Yes. The short answer is yes. I would correct you simply by saying that the first kind of classification of worlds when they're discovered by the Imperium are frontier worlds. So it's a, it's the Wild West, be it actual, you know, cowboy, agri-planet, Wild West, or feudal jungle planet, Wild West, or, or, or. It's the right, same right. kind of um, mentality that uh, goes through their culture in terms of, you know, might is right, that kind of thing, unless they come with an established culture. Okay. But you can have... Uh, civilized worlds that are also night worlds. You can have industrial worlds that are night worlds. Uh, planets can have more than one classification, uh, depending on what's on them. Well, because what did the, the the farmers and the people working in agriculture do after these fuckers came along and stole all of their machines? Like, how did they continue just doing do do drugs? Nothing else to do, in it. <laughs> You're right, Chris. I mean, that's a cry for help, mate. Okay. Yeah. It's like, no, I won't plant these potatoes. I'm going to have a bomb. <laughs> no, it was the kind of the landed gentry, the farmers that became the knights. It was one of these okay. things. It's what they, their culture evolved into that. Get off my uh, land. Rather than <laughs> Get off my <Slug>. land. <laughs> I'm not saying farmers won't make great lords of majestic houses but it seems weird <laughs> that's yeah. what i'm saying you know what i mean like farmer giles farming potatoes farmer one giles day is now the defending of a massive <laughs> exactly. war engine it's like war coming in from the left flank there <laughs> here john can you help us with this fence sure <laughs> <laughs> a fence gun <gasps> how amazing would that be <laughs> As amusing as it is, it's also historically uh, correct from our own world because most of uh, Greek and Roman uh, nobility, you know, were mostly farmers. Wow. Uh, Mm. That's not to say they were all farmers. Settle down, historians. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of them, you know, made money from the production of food because that was the kind of first commodity. So, uh, yes, so the expansion is going on. Everyone's very happy. We're now expanding out beyond the segmentum solar, warp drive navigators, STC construct or STC units are in a lot of these colony ships. And then, bam, warp storms from everywhere. No one knows why. I know why. But no one else knows why. Uh, and <laughs> uh, and an, an era of what's referred to as old night comes into existence now again we've covered this previously it's effectively the collapse of the galactic imperium of man most planets become isolated within their system and in some cases within a single planet there are of course some examples of multi uh, system kind of kingdoms or fiefdoms or empires that remain in contact with each other but mostly uh, everyone's on their Todd. Everyone's uh, fighting for survival. Now, during this time, a great deal of research is put into place to discover not only why 
these warp zones have occurred, but is there any way around them? Can we travel safely through the warp, through these warp zones? And that's where the Emperor... Dared someone to do it. A day to go through that warp stone. A warp stone? Warp <laughs> yeah, stone. A, a double day. <laughs> if you go through that warp stone and you make it, I will give you this ancient Etch-A-Sketch. <laughs> In terms of the the kind of technological priesthood on Mars, this is really where there's a, a, a kind of a blossoming of hierarchy and structure as they're giving uh, access to the kind of coffers of the Imperium. So Mars creates uh, a small uh, explorator fleets, they're called, and sends them out. Most they don't hear from again, but a fair few make it through. Uh, and they began to hunt down these elements of, uh, or the location of old uh, colonies that had been sponsored by the Mechanicum. They're looking for technology. They're looking for the STCs. They're trying to uh, build a bit of a mini empire for themselves out in the world. So they look for suitable sites where new forge worlds can be founded that are kind of loyal to Mars. And a fair few are established, but the emperor decides that this is perhaps his burgeoning imperium has this other empire just, you know, one planet over. And so he needs to kind of do a bit of show of force. And in the book, I believe it's the heresy book Mechanicum, which is books book five or book seven. I can't remember exactly. I think it was book five, Darren. The description, I'm just simply going to ignore that. The description of him. The, Chapter 3, verse 9.2. The Emperor's ship lands on Mars and it's met by a squadron of knights of these uh, kind of uh, walking war machines. War farmers. War farmers. And the Emperor comes up and notices with his Emperor vision that one of the walkers. <laughs> has got a bit of a gammy knee. It's one of its knee joints is uh, out of whack. So he walks up to it, he touches it, and it is fixed. Obviously, he uses his psychic powers to mend a bit of metal in the thing. But this is the start This is Yuri of- Geller. Yeah, he t- <laughs> bends a spoon. Oh my god. He goodness. brought out his pack of spoons <laughs> and just clank. How horrifying would it be if it turned out that Yuri Gela is the future emperor. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'd follow him into war. The, uh, yeah, behind a giant spoon. Um, <laughs> this simple act gets the kind of the the rank and file of the Mechanicum all hot and bothered because they they feel he is uh, an avatar of the Omnissiah. Now, the Omnissiah is techno god. I'm waiting for Ben to do... There we go. You both did it. I read you like books. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So the Omnissiah is the origin of all technology uh, in existence. This is the belief of the Mechanicum. Uh, It is uh, an interventionist deity. So it intervenes and uh, listens and answers to prayers that deal exclusively with machines and computers and, and, and. 
And so they come to view the emperor as this avatar, a physical embodiment of the Omnissiah. So they don't worship him as a god at all, like the rest of the Imperium. They acknowledge him as the effectively living prophet or living manifestation of the Omnissiah. So he is uh, obeyed in all things, but not worshipped if you see what I mean, like the ecclesiarchy would do. And so that's really the fundamental theological schism between the ministorum and the mechanicum. One views the emperor as a divine godly being, the other views him as... As a CEO. Well, as a router, basically. Uh, he yeah. <laughs> uh, he transfers the signal from the omnissiah. The and- internet. The emperor yeah. is the internet, yeah. <laughs> so is that why, because I was always a bit confused as to how the emperor, in his attempt to create a purely secular society, was happy to accept the alliance and an alliance with these guys that saw him as a god, but actually they don't. They, they so, don't see him as a so god. So is that where the kind And even of, if they did, it? as long as it's going to benefit the imperium slash the emperor, who gives a fuck? Are you suggesting that the emperor is a cynical person? <laughs> I mean, he I'm is. Saying, I'm just I, I, I didn't call him a person at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why are you are you calling him a person, Darren? Are you denying his divinity? What? <laughs> <laughs> He's okay with that because they haven't literally said to him, "You're a god, and we worship you." They've just said that we have a god, and we think that you're in some way related to him. We recognize you as techno Jesus. Okay. Yes, and so on. Yeah, okay, cool. All right. Yeah. More a kind of revered prophet and, you know, conduit. Because he fixed a gammy knee on a battle farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sounds legit. Got it. He's one of these spiritual healers for robots. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That's, That's what he is. He came in with whatever the robotic version of a crystal is maybe bismuth i don't know and waved it over the waved it over the robot's <laughs> Some knee circuit and said, listen, yeah, yeah you need to techno sleep with this under your pillow <laughs> <laughs> and so on through this meeting uh, and kind of further negotiations and chats maybe a date or two who can say the future is uh, very odd <laughs> Mars becomes a staunch ally rather than a subject world, if you see what I mean. So it's a, uh, not beholden to Terra, uh, but works hand in glove or hand in data glove. Look at that. I made a pun. It sounds like Mars in that instance has more authority than a lot of other places. They are a core part of um, how the Imperium are going to expand their their influence They've got a. They're quite high ranking. They don't answer to many people. Uh, I'd say that that's a fair assessment. Yeah, when you land on a forge world, kind of the imperial laws, the lex, the lex imperialis, which we discussed when we discussed the arbites, they kind of apply in principle, but not in practice. Uh, yeah, they okay. are completely down. You know the the ranking members of the Mechanicus who govern each Forge world, they decide what the laws are in relation yeah. to the body of law that comes from Mars, which is the original Got kind it. of Forge they world. They can bend the Imperium um, rules and laws and get away with it. 
Oh, all the time. And you see various schisms and wars between Mechanicum fleets and uh, Imperial fleets. You know, almost every other year, there's some sort of skirmish between fleets over some property or installation. Um, sure. And so the, the Mechanicum does give the Imperium a bit of a bloody nose every now and then. But the reverse is true as well. Several questions. One, what does the Emperor think of their belief system? Two, is their Omnisaya a real entity like the Chaos Gods are, or is it just in the minds and hearts of the people? And how do the Ecclesiarchy feel about Mechanicum, given that they don't adhere to their thing, their jam? I want to put in my theory I don't think the emperor cares as long as he's getting what he wants. So I think the emperor can overlook all of that, you know. And if it means that he needs to be seen as some sort of messiah, some sort of idol, even though it's kind of against his grand plan, it doesn't matter, really, in the scheme of things. In fact, he only wants to outlaw religion because it helps him control the citizens and the imperium. He would probably condone religion if that was also true as well. Whatever it takes, whatever the answer is to uh, uh, further his plans and his beliefs, he'll roll with it. I don't think he woke up in the morning and was like, I'm just anti-religion. I am uh, not agnostic, atheist. He was like, I can be agnostic, I can be atheist, or I can be super religious. Whatever it takes for these people to fall in line. But his policy has been a kind of, you know, a, a scorched earth one uh, throughout, yeah. you know, like the heresy, for instance, like what he did to Lorgar and the, the word bearers, you know, punishing them for them having openly worshipping him or openly practicing a, a, a belief system. So the idea that he is allowing this pocket of civilization, albeit one that's kind of parallel, to, to have these beliefs. I mean, yeah, okay, you're right. I, I, maybe you're right to some degree. He's just like, yeah, okay, fuck it. Do whatever you want as long as you keep giving me big fucking battle farmers. But at the same time, maybe don't speak to everyone about it. Don't tell everybody that I'm allowing <laughs> you to do this because I kind of don't want everyone else jumping on that and being like, well, you well, let these guys do it. Imperium and them are fighting all the time because they just clash with their beliefs and ways of life. There are there are a lot of skirmishes fought uh, between the Mechanicum, or sorry, the Mechanicus, as they will become, and the Ecclesiarchy, the Ministorum. There are they are not suitable bedfellows. They do not mm. get on, really. What you have to keep in mind is that the alliance uh, between Terra and Mars served two public purposes and one private purpose. Uh, the private purpose answers your other questions, Ben. So the public purpose is, one, it's a significant kind of uh, expansionist civilization one planet over from Terra. So best to get them on board. So, you know, that was a, it, it was politically advantageous to do that because then that gives them access to all the arms and armaments and technology that the Mechanicum can provide. So it's really a thing of keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer, if you see what I mean. They, they don't view them as enemies. They certainly don't view them as bosom buddies, though. So, you know, they're a kind of friendly arms dealer. Are they viewed as human? 
by the Imperium. Uh, they are human, which is why the ecclesiarchy finds them so distasteful because right. they're humans okay. that deny the divinity of the Flesh. Imperium and are allowed to, of the Emperor, sorry, and are allowed to under treaty. So, yeah, that causes problems. The kind of secret reason, uh, certainly is a reason. A thing happened. The Emperor travelled to Mars before uh, before his kind of uh, great, knee great healing. Spoon knee. His, the spoon his, knee. Uh, yes, his spiritual healing of uh, robo-knees. <laughs> Which makes me sound that my that makes it sound like my sister has a robotic daughter, a robo niece. <laughs> no, oh, oh, that one landed. I'm feeling quite pleased now. The emperor realized that there was a being on Mars, and there was a being that had been trapped there for tens of millions of years, and this is what's referred to as a Catan shard which is a being, the Catan were star vampires. These were kind of ethereal beings that drank a star dry. They were the Aberash of stars. Wow. Nice. Okay. Uh, watch the fantasy podcast if you want any reference to that, because I'm not fucking explaining it. The <laughs> <laughs> These beings, the Catan, were captured, technically invited, by the Necrons, and uh, there was a eventual revolt against the Catan, uh, and the Catan were uh, shattered, hence the shards, and imprisoned. And one of these shards, referred to as the Void Dragon, uh, had been imprisoned in the Necron tombs that are underneath the Martian surface, like it, almost in the heart of the planet. This Void Dragon had gotten loose a few millennia before the emperor did his knee healing extravaganza. And he went up and, and psychically battered this void dragon being back into the Necron tomb uh, and then closed it up. There right. is a stretch of lore, which we'll get more. We'll get into more detail when we deep dive into the Adeptus Mechanicus, that that being is the Omnissiah. That that being has, you know, was ah, the source for that uh, Omnissiah style. Uh, how am I saying this? My English today. Um, that was the source of the Omnissiah kind of legend. Right. Is this void so what, dragon that, that, being. That entity would have perhaps like appeared to members of the Mechanicus. And that's what kind of grew that belief within them. Uh, yes, the, that's the kind of background radiation of that story. It's still very much a rumour and a legend. Um, it's very uh, much like St. George and the Dragon in Wales. Like, the Adeptus Mechanicus could be seen the Wales of England, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is really far-fetched. Yeah. A resounding yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, we've started to get some Welsh people in the Discord, so I have to keep my uh, Welsh hatred to a minimum. <laughs> I don't hate the Welsh. It's just funny. It's funny to make Welsh someone bashing. Someone. You're Welsh bashing. <laughs> Wah washing. My second ever girlfriend was Welsh, and she knows what she did. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> thus the emperor was able to get this treaty in place. The Treaty of Mars. What an original name! Uh, almost like the something of someone. Uh, yes. Yeah. 
Mm. And that was crucial because the Great Crusade was kicking off at that time. So suddenly the the Emperor was able to uh, arm and armor all the Space Marine Legions, all the Imperial Army regiments, provide them with warp-capable ships, both in terms of transport and in terms of uh, battleships, and just get out into the into the the outer space once the war get stuck in. Died down. Fucking yeah. spread the word, testify, preach. <laughs> so the Great Crusade would not have happened uh, in the way it did without the Mechanicum. Now, this brings us to the Horus Heresy. During the Horus Never Heresy, of half of half the Imperium betrayed the other half of the Imperium. This includes the Mechanicum. Civil war was, to use a phrase, rife. And it was centered on Mars, where we see that the uh, fabricator general, the head honcho, the mechanopope of space, betrays the emperor. Kelbor Hal leads the dark mechanicum. Uh, So this is a faction that sides with Horus, uh, and begins the process of research and development into what's referred to as demon engines, where you get a giant war machine and you get it possessed with a demon, hence demon engines, and you send that into battle. doesn't need any crew. It just has a malign uh, uh, entity uh, controlling it on a molecular level. That's wicked. It's still not <laughs> sentient in itself. It's just, it's being controlled as if it was being controlled by a normal person or being, but but through a different means, basically. So it's still just a robot. It's a soulless thing, but being controlled with some fun- funky witchcraft instead of a bloke in it or a person in it. Uh, yes. I mean, these, uh, again, it's a topic for a later time, but the cliff notes are, a tank, for instance, would have all of its uh, entry and exit ways welded closed. It would have uh, various symbols uh, etched or painted on, and then it would become possessed by a demon. It'd be like the um, whatever, wh- whichever one of those fucking Stephen King movies where a car is possessed the and truck. takes people on. Or the truck, yeah, from that movie he directed. The big lorry. Yeah, yeah with the Joker yeah. face on it. God almighty. Um, (laughs) These demon engines, uh, it's a catch-all term, but that went all the way up to Titans. So we all know, as uh, we previously discussed, Titans are, you know, 30-plus meter tall walking robots of death. They have a crew of between uh, 2 and, I think, 12 or 15 for the larger engines. Uh, And with a lot of these, they... The dark mechanicum still required the kind of living elements to be in place. So you you see on a lot of the uh, the models that are sculpted or that were sculpted for the kind of Chaos Titans, the Moderati and the Princeps, the the the, the gunners and pilots of the uh, Titans were merged into the systems. Uh, and so you'd see things like they didn't have a lower half. It was just a, a kind of a, a giant octopus of te- of uh, cables 
I almost said a giant octopus of tentacles, you know, like an octopus. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So were they, would they have been just normal conscious beings? They wouldn't have been servitors. They wouldn't have been lobotomized. There are monotask servitors in Titans, but to do the kind of uh, calculations and the uh, reactive elements of um, warfare, you need a, a living, thinking being. And so with these demon engines, these are possessed people that have been merged into uh, the engines. They're all irredeemably insane. They're still alive. Wow. But they are prisoners in their own head. Uh, uh, and ultimately, uh, Chaos Titan engines are, are in fact just crazy people in giant suits. That that's yeah. effectively what they are, uh, who want to take out their torture on everyone else. What lovely episode this is turning into. <laughs> <laughs> the Horus Heresy comes to a close, as we've discussed, and then we get into the Great Scourings. Two real events here at the close of the Heresy. The the second of which is the Great Scouring, where the forces of the Imperium push the uh, Chaos traitors out of the Imperium, most, if you know, we're talking 85%, go to the Eye of Terror. And in there, the Dark Mechanicum go absolutely hogwild because they have an entire civilization's worth of technology, the Eldar, plus all the Imperium technology they've taken with them, and all the bricks are off. And they slowly right. transform as a sect into something called the Heretech, which is a technical heretic. Uh, and these are the ones <laughs> it's that... technically a heretic? Or it's a... A technological heretic. Yeah, a techno-heretic. Yeah. No, a technical heretic, is a, that's a real fine line. <laughs> You're technically a heretic? Um, <laughs> and this is where we start getting into the the kind of demon engines that look like animals. So we have... Quite famously, aircraft that looked like uh, angry robo pterodactyls, and also wow, the Power Rangers, uh, basically. Yeah, the um, Power Rangers. Maybe, maybe kind of the whatever the beast transformers are. That's what mm. you get, um, mm-hmm. but they don't turn into anything other than regular boring. engines of death. Yeah, boring. But you still get demon tanks and um, titans and this kind of stuff. You also get demonically possessed battle cruisers. So these are the wow. eight kilometer long vehicles that we mentioned at the start of the, uh, at the schizophrenic start of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Is that five miles? Is that five miles? Eight kilometers? Yeah, it's roughly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a good example of this would be a, a, a battleship called the Terminus Est which is possessed by demons of Nurgle. It is still a functioning, uh, warp-capable ship, but But it looks like... Do you know what it actually looks like? It looks like a a giant starship that's been corrupted by the flood from Halo. That's what it looks Ah, like. Ah, okay, like postulated. Yes, techno-organic style uh, thing with a, a heavy leaning towards someone having syphilis. That's kind of what it looks like mr ben regarding the names so the dark mechanicum and the heretic um you know both of those titles have kind of 
uh, negative undertones. Did they call themselves that? Like, were they? Did they say like, Uh, "We're now the Dark Mechanicum"? I think they would have done it to differentiate themselves from. There's the Mechanicum, and we're the true. uh, You know, we all the brakes are off. We're the Dark Mechanic Edge Lords. They're fucking emo mechanics. That's what they are. <laughs> right, okay. I know um, what you mean, though, because, you know, the, the heretics, the heathens, would have probably not seen themselves as dark and negative. They thought they yeah. were doing the righteous stuff, yeah, relatively yeah, yeah. speaking. Her- heretic is the, the label given to the opposing side by the people that feel that they're in the position of the right. Uh, obviously, Horace, during the heresy, felt that what he was doing was right for the Imperium, that he was overthrowing a kind of, uh, 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 you know, the wrong, yeah, an idiot, some somebody that shouldn't be there, and he was going to do a better job. Obviously, at the start, it kind of changed. So he, at no point, would have called him and the other legions that were with him heretics. You know, he wouldn't have defined themselves as the heretic forces, would they? Uh, I think they would have defined themselves as heretics because they're not doing it from a we're better than you position. They're doing it from a we hate you position. Right. We're okay. siding. We, we think what you've done is wrong. So we take the, it's the, it's that line from, um, what's that show? The back to the future thing, Rick and Morty, where it's, <laughs> it, it, oh, what I can't remember which episode it was. He says, your booze mean nothing to me. Cause I've seen what makes you cheer. <laughs> do you know, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like so. I'm wearing this negative-sounding name because it irritates you oh, because it highlights okay. to you how far I'm prepared to go. Ah, uh, interesting. So that would that would be the same kind of thinking behind the heretic label, uh, yeah, for the dark mechanicum. Then that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. It's it, it, <laughs> it is these. Uh, I've got a vision of these guys just sat in uh, Abaddon's basement, going, uh, "Aren't we so cool? We call ourselves the heretics. That must <laughs> yeah. annoy them." It's a yeah. front of Judea, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. The other kind of big event at the close of the heresy is the birth of the Adeptus Mechanicus. This is where the Mechanicum become the Mechanicus. Uh, I'm prepared for comedy jokes about those names. So the uh, you know the more f- disappointment the f- again about like sorry I'm just going to fucking steamroller in right here. Neferata Neferatum Mechanica Mechanicum. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same witness relocation program, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> we're going to change the name from right. Neferata to Neferatum Mechanicum. We do. We need a total rebrand. Total rebrand. <laughs> yeah. What can we do that will blend you into the background? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Maybe it's a more inclusive thing. It's not Mechanicum. It's Mechanic Mechanicus. <laughs> yeah, us. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's no me <laughs> in Mechanicus. It's more inclusive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Mechanicum is very con- it's worried only about itself and its own kind of, let's yeah. say, emissions. But Mechanicus, <laughs> that's more inclusive, expansive. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Don't Mechanicum all over Mechanicus. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> In the shadow depths of the Adeptus Mechanicus domain, 
A range of toys emerges for the aspiring tech priest. Welcome to Mechanic. Command the forces of your own Forge world. Lead armies of Skidara against the foul forces of heretics and Xenos not available. Peer into forbidden knowledge as tech priests explore the mysteries of the Omnissiah. Mechanix unveils high-quality toys and playsets that capture the techno-haunted world of the Adeptus Mechanicus. Our models, created by our all 100% human staff, embody the devotion of the tech priests. From the familiar and sinister contours of the war machines to unmistakable iconography of the Omnissiah, experience the unwavering faith as you move with these figures through their darkest quests. Uncover the shadows behind the veil of devotion and the price of forbidden knowledge. Join us to explore the depths of the Mechanicus Cryptic Dominion, immersing yourself in the enigmatic blessings of the Machine God. Mechanish, where fun and technology converge for true seekers of the Omnissiah. Ages 2 Plus. The High Lords of Terror, this council is formed, uh, and um, to assist in kind of breaking any deadlocks, they want to get as many different voices from as many loyalist aspects of uh, the Imperium in on this so that they can... Uh, Create a wicked choir. A, w- a wicked choir. <laughs> Turn out <laughs> alto. <laughs> <laughs> and so the fabricator general, uh, a new general called Kane, is appointed to is appointed as the, the kind of first High Lord of Terror from the newly minted Adeptus Mechanicus. And then what you start to see is it starts to fall into the hierarchical structures of the Imperium more closely. Uh, so its military wings form off as a, a kind of separate thing. You get the, the Skatari legions, which are the kind of uh, foot troops. And then you get the knight households or the ones that are uh, allied to the uh, the Mechanicus. And then you get the Titan Legions and you get the devastating war machines of the Ordo Reductor. Uh, it, all these kind of things fall into a traditional hierarchy that kind of mirrors the Astra Militarum. So it's more apparent that the Mechanicus is now in lockstep with the Imperium, although they're still only bound by the Treaty of Mars. So they, they, they are still entitled to their own beliefs. The Mechanicum's laws are, are you know have primacy on all their areas of influence. So the imperial law comes second, uh, although they are held to standards within the council chamber. Just a bit. If um, in, the, in the absence of a physical presence or an emperor physical presence, and given that the ecclesiarchy have become such a significant aspect of the kind of overall governance of the 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 imperium has there ever been an attempt to renounce the the treaty of mars or do they you know given that they are kind of separate in their belief systems or do the ecclesiarchy still appreciate just how vital they are in terms of you know uh, resourcing and whatnot I think there's, they still honour the Treaty of Mars because it is logical to do so. You you, you have to acknowledge that you're not dealing with the kind of whims of traditional humanity because the higher-rank tech priests are far more thinking machine than person. So mm. they operate on logic. 
So logically, it wouldn't make sense to turn against the Imperium because the forces of the Imperium outnumber quite significantly the forces of of the Mechanicus. However, the forces of the Mechanicus are tremendously better armed uh, than the Imperium. So it would be a you know a pyrrhic victory for either side. It would not be worth the fight. Right, right, that right. isn't to say that there have not been instances where the Imperium has uh, gone to war with the Mechanicum. One of the kind of more interesting plot points is this thing called the Moray Schism. Moray was a, um, a, a forge world where the leadership worked out something that was so uh, controversial that the uh, not only did they break away, or were, not only were they broken away from the Mechanicus, but they also were condemned by the Ecclesiarchy, uh, and then all traces of them was wiped out by the kind of combined forces of the Imperium. What they discovered was that when the astronomic, if you can imagine the astronomicon is a lighthouse, I think we've talked about that before. So there's this, you know, this beacon comes out. At the edge of this beacon, there is a kind of interference patterns. And this forge world worked out that, or, or uh, worked out how to interpret those interference patterns into actual instructions. They seem to be instructions coming from the emperor and they were prophetic visions or pronouncements i should say that were kind of encoded at the uh, the edge of the astronomicon and they were disastrous Th- this will happen this will happen the imperial will be destroyed all this kind of stuff so the uh moray 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 forge world uh, codified these into effectively a doomsday book and kind of started mentioning it around the place uh, and was instantly condemned for it by everyone. Anyone who had anything to do with the Moray Forge world was hunted down and killed. All traces of the book were erased. And then the planet was uh, effectively virus-bombed and then robo-bombed uh, by various fleets into non-existence. So, yeah. <laughs> Bit of an extreme reaction. Yeah. Well, when your entire culture is based on the divinity of one creature, any kind of uh, thing that upsets the day-to-day lives of its citizens mm. and thus the capacity to be able to control them should probably be stamped out. Yeah. Jeez, this is yeah. turning into a How to Be a Dictator podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So really, that, that's, that's the birth of the Adeptus Mechanicus. They are steadfast allies and technically members of the Imperium uh, with uh, forge worlds dotted around the, uh, the galaxy, which produce various arms and armament. Now, we, we touched on some of their uh, military forces there. A, a, a couple of things of note, perhaps, which would be uh, good to mention. One is the Skitari legions. These are legions of SAS cyborgs. One of the first things that happens when uh, someone is inducted into the Skitari legions, in general, it's not particularly voluntary, is that their uh, lower legs are replaced with kind of uh, wheels. Bionic legs, yeah, with their uh, roller blades. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> with ice skates. <laughs> Generation it's, it's, one was those classic disco. Uh, the figure skating <laughs> SAS. They're fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> those blades are real blades. <laughs> and that allows them to just march everywhere. They're constantly walking. They're constantly marching. They uh, have a range of weapons that fire uh, things like, uh, well, lightning, but also uh, depleted uranium shells, or what we would consider uh, depleted uranium shells. So they're constantly being bombarded with electromagnetic energy that causes their organic kind of systems to decay. So they're quite short-lived as well. So there's a constant kind of recycling uh, and um, enlisting of new uh, Skitari legions, or legionnaires, I should say. Mr. Chris? It seems quite wasteful. Do they cyberfy these humans because they believe... Yeah. Do they cyborgify these humans because they just don't really like or rate or highly regard the human life, or because actually, although they're short-lived they're exponentially more effective in battle. And so that short burst of firepower is worth them turning to rusty organic goo after a year or whatever it might be. Yeah, I I think at that level, at the kind of foot troops level, it's 50-50 with those two reasons. The Mechanicus values the machine more than the, in quotes, man, so mankind. Mm -hmm. So... The higher you go in the hierarchy of the Mechanicus, the more and more it looks like a robot from your nightmares, where at higher levels, some machine priests have the right half of their brain encoded and then replaced with an actual just data center, uh, which allows them to... Like a 90s desktop tower. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's it's Like the original Mac. No, the, the, the idea was inspired by these giant boom boxes that people carry on their shoulders in the 70s. Amazing. That, that's the creative and emotional side of the brain. So they cut that out completely so that they can be purely logical and rational. Mm. You know, at some stages, they are given what's called mechandrites, which are, uh, again, a robo-octopus uh, set on their back, with various cables that kind of, you know, they Doc Ock. They're effectively Dr. Octavius from Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, and these various mechandrites, uh, some of them have weapons on them. Some of them have uh, plugs and ports that will allow them to connect to yeah, data devices. And yeah, USB-C, not the new Apple thing, which changes every year anyway. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, would yeah, be yeah. viewed as heresy by the Mechanicum. Um, <laughs> Indeed. Or yeah. Mechanicus. So like, because um, uh, obviously with the the previous ages of, you know, when um, they were fighting robots and then they kind of outlawed AI, obviously the Mechanicum are still human, but they're basically trying to slowly shed their organic matter, but still remain human. Does that mean that could they get to a point where they are fully robotic with a human soul codified in there somehow? Is that was that? That's a great question. I I think ultimately they can do, 
because it's been done at least once by the Dark Mechanicum. Right. And uh, if anyone anyone who's read the Eisenhorn books will know exactly uh, who I'm referring to, Mr. Glaw, uh, who is a a consciousness encoded into a an orb of crystal and uh, filaments, who's then placed in a robotic body, uh, and then is able to go around and it, and it's just as if that person was alive. Right. Um. It's their consciousness. It's not an artificial thing. He's they mostly don't prosthetic. Have any connection to mostly prosthetic. Right. Um. Which I think is a good T-shirt. We should get. That. <laughs> so yes back to the skitari legions there are various types of skitari trooper they've got rangers that go on uh, scouting missions the the most common is the vanguard these are the kind of basic soldiery of the mechanicum there are transports i mean we'll cover all this in greater detail when we uh, deep dive into the mechanicum but they are they have a functioning army that has all the elements that the imperial uh, guard the Astra Militarum have they have foot they have regiments of foot troops they have armored vehicles they have fighter planes fighter bombers uh, they also have this weird thing called the iron strider which is a perpetual motion machine that looks like it, it's a it's a cavalry mount but it looks like the bottom half of a robot T-Rex with a little guy sitting on it with either a lance or a sniper rifle. Um, and wow. so it just... And these, whatever world they're on, these constantly walk around the equator of that world. <laughs> That's uh, because they're, they have a perpetual motion engine. They can't it's stop walking. It's a weird walking. habit. <laughs> it is a weird habit, Chris. So like, if right. they miss the stop for the battle... They have to go around the whole world again. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, oh fuck, 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 fuck. Sorry, I'll no. See I just you in a few days. Returning. Yeah. 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 When, yeah. It, when you were saying perpetual motion engine, I was just thinking like, how do you turn one of those like four or five swinging ball things that you get on a desktop into a war engine? You know, it's just like tick, <laughs> tick, <laughs> tick. Make make each of them. 70 foot wide made of titanium and carried individually under helicopters <laughs> yes perfect Clang. What else is that? <laughs> their regiments are all to to use your phrase chris cyberfied there is not one natural in quotes human among them and frequently they're accompanied by the various types of tech priest these are the leaders the middle managers and above of the uh, uh, of the cult mechanicus, uh, and those are really broken into kind of four main uh, groups. You've got the the magi, who are the executives. These are the ones that deal almost exclusively in statistics, logistics, and uh, computer language. A most obvious example of that would be their war generals, as opposed to their peace generals. What the fuck is that phrase, Darren? Um, uh, who referred to as the the Majos Dominus, and these are the leaders of the Skitari legions. These are the ones that can authorize and lead an invasion force or an explorator fleet out into the void to try and recapture um, the kind of t- lost technology of the age of technology. Kind of on line with them, really, then you have the, the janitors, and these are the ones that are obsessed with 
the mysteries of the biological. So these are the ones that uh, come up with the best type of connection between uh, biology and machine and are able to produce things like the arcoflagellants of the... The um, wacky wave inflatable death man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> My yeah, faves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your faves. They're also the ones that deal in kind of uh, surgical enhancements and kind of maintain the technology uh, of those areas. They also create the kind of mechanical assassins that they send out every now and then to take out uh, Xenos leadership or a Xenos uh, outpost so that they can get in and strip it of its technological value. The final two then are the uh, Logi or Logi, Logos, Logos, (laughs) Larry. The final one is Larry. And they deal almost exclusively in statistics and uh, kind of forecasts. Yes, exactly. They're the ones that do all the planning. They will assist with the creation of the appropriate level of tax for a planet under the Adeptus Terra. You'll recall that each planet has to pay a tithe, an annual tithe in some form. Um, And so they also loan out machines to the various departments of the Imperium. With massively inflated interest rates. Oh, yes, absolutely. Probably like little coded back doors so they can get in and kind of strip out everyone's personal information. Hmm. They're the evil Facebook. Can you imagine an evil Facebook? Well, Facebook. Not just Facebook. You mean Facebook. (laughs) And then the final kind of group are what's referred to as the artisans. Now, these are the ones, these are the kind of uh, techno blacksmiths of the Adeptus Mechanicus. These are the ones that actually design and create the great engines of war or machines or transport or weapons or whatever is required. That's done under their kind of, uh, their control. And is that, you know, you, you mentioned before that there's no, there's no kind of great innovation anymore in 40k so there's yes. no there's no kind of like technological progression unless of course they discover an stc and are able to kind of rehash it all bl- blueprint so are these guys are they just kind of re like is it more aesthetics are they just redesigning the existing technologies they're not kind of pushing the the frontier at all yes exactly right when i'm saying design what I mean is that there there will be some sort of modular structure to certain vehicles. So certain types of cruiser will either have uh, lance batteries, these heavy laser kind of sniper batteries, or lance huge battery. Ca- what a name! <laughs> lance, <laughs> lance battery. My name's Lance. Lance battery. <laughs> I believe Lance battery was my mortgage advisor. Uh, but then, <laughs> but then some of them will. You know, some of them will have massive uh, broadside arrays of uh, cannons, and then yet more can have some combination of them, and maybe a an aircraft hangar uh, on the side as well. So yes, creating really, maybe a waffle iron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world destroyer. Um, <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you raise an important point that should be really heavily made, which is that the Mechanicum maintain, they don't innovate. They Everything kind of stopped when the Emperor uh, ascended the throne. 
They don't create anything new themselves. However, if they Could uncover, they? I should say, if they uncover uh, uh, an STC or another lost aspect of technology that existed prior to the Emperor's internment in the Golden Throne, that is seen as part of the Omnissiah's plan and is then adopted in and sanctioned as this has always existed. So it's it's not an innovation. Mr. Chris? So it's not that they can't innovate, they won't innovate by choice. Even if someone goes, I have just come up with the, the best waffle iron I've and ever if The best waffle iron or the most efficient weapon ever that could just decimate all our enemies. However, I can't because the Emperor said so. Is it literally like that? It, it is quite literally like that. Um, wow. in, the, in that same book where the Emperor healed the robot's knee, uh, at the end there is a, a factory, a factorum, uh, which creates the kind of startlingly advanced technology that would it offer nothing but benefit to the Imperium. And it is put under siege, and eventually a bomb is detonated, which fl- which turns the hangar, situated in an extinct volcano, into an active volcano. So it's it, it, it destroying not only all the prototypes, but all the reference material and design schematics and all the engineers who designed all this stuff they're all just wiped out because you can't have innovation at all so even if you you went to the emperor and said mr emperor i've got this thing which is going to guarantee you success in the fastest easiest way to rule the galaxy it's completely original though he would. The emperor would be like, no, because I'm a dick like that. They, they, I yeah. want to do it the hard way. They wouldn't even get to the emperor. They'd be destroyed or stopped in some fashion by their own faction. It's the Mechanicum that are saying that there's no innovation from now. It's not the Imperium. It has become the Imperium that does that because of, we're talking 10,000 years of to the exposure of the same kind of technological dogmatic view mm. that innovation is bad. You know, when mm. the Emperor okay. ascended the throne, it was because his work was done. Uh, you know, mm. so technology was perfect at that time. Right. Sure it was. God. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Mm. <laughs> so sure. the only the, yeah. the only other two aspects are the the, the nightly houses, nightly houses uh, from night worlds. Funnily enough, these are the walking uh, tanks. Um, you're welcome. These are no, please yourselves. These are uh, Not going broadly there. broken into two groups. Two types of night worlds exist. Those who owe their loyalty to the Imperium and thus the Emperor via the High Lords of Terra, or those that owe their uh, uh, allegiance to the Adeptus Mechanicus. So the ones from the Adeptus Mechanicus generally are red, because that's the color of the Adeptus Mechanicus. Uh, But also they're the ones with the more advanced weapon systems. They're the ones with the better kind of logistic systems and the better mechanics, uh, for want of a better phrase. And we'll talk about them when we talk about nightly houses. Uh, the final kind of 
area to discuss, well, the final two areas to discuss. One is the uh, the Adeptus Titanicus, which is the walking war engines, you know, on steroids. These are also referred to as the Collegia Titanica. These are the Titan legions, each one uh, somewhere between 20 and 60 Titans, plus all their crew, plus all transport capacity to get them from world to world. These are the uh, really the, the kind of sledgehammer of the Adeptus Mechanicus. And again, we'll talk about these when we go into um, Titans in a bit more detail. But these are the, you know, the war gods, the, the god engines they're uh, referred to. And uh, if one of these, even one of the smaller ones, is uh, with you in a war, uh, the odds of your victory go up quite significantly. They are hmm. broken into various categories, much like the the naval ships, uh, as opposed to any other kind of ship, which would be uh, scout titans, kind of uh, battle titans, uh, we get into war, so Reaver and Warlord Titans would be the kind of battle titans. You then get into Artillery Titans. Um, these are the titans whose fucking name escapes me right now. War something. Warmonger? Let's call them Arty. People are shouting at their iPods or whatever it is they listen to this thing on. Screens? <laughs> it's not iPods, that's for sure. The Astronomicon? Who knows? But these go all the way up to what's referred to as the Imperator Titans, which are the Emperor Titans. These things, a Warlord Titan, which is somewhere between 35 to 40 meters in height uh, and about 20 meters in width, uh, comes up to the hip of an Emperor Titan. So Emperor Titans can be up to, if you measure from their highest point, up to 100 meters in height, which is... uh, not a, an insignificant thing, and they have so much armament that they can destroy a city by themselves relatively quickly. I also imagine they're so massive and dense and heavy that, like, a few of them get stuck. Like, there's, like <laughs> yeah, they, they land the on the, the surface of a planet, either like it's been burrowed under or something like that, or it's just not a particularly dense, like, strong planet, and they just go straight to the waist. And they just stop. <laughs> like, uh, There's nothing help. worse than a weak planet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so are these are these the titans that have got like a cathedral looking buildings on them? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. Are they cathedrals? We were at anyone who was at Warhammer Fest saw the Titan battle. Yeah, okay? I mean, it was about Kral and High. Wasn't it? It was about. It, it was, was yes. It was the one. It was scratch built. Yeah, it was about yeah. your height. So and three it took them feet high. Very impressive. It took them something yeah. like three years to build. Completely bespoke. I mean, it's yeah. yeah. And took Kralin three seconds to destroy. <laughs> <laughs> Unleash the Kralin! <laughs> yeah. Whilst the guy who was distracted with Ben questioning him with genuine questions, I I, I wore it. I donned it like an art suit. Yeah. Like, ah, look at me! <laughs> the finale for the uh, the final day of the convention was just the war. Uh, it was the Emperor Titan versus Kral, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a tie. <laughs> it was a tie. <laughs> it was a tie. I just think that that's a great opportunity for a cosplay. So the next Warhammer Fest, one of us is going as an Emperor Titan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be so oh, good. So funny, man. 
<laughs> um, it's definitely Crowl. It's definitely Crowl. <laughs> I'm going as a rattling mate. <laughs> default. Default. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So raising the the notion of the machine spirit really uh, touches on the wider use of technology within the Imperium. And almost all technology in the Imperium of any kind of level uh, has a machine spirit associated with it. The, um, The Adeptus Mechanicus really is a kind of pantheist religion, if you can call it that, where... You don't just turn something on. You have to light a candle and wave some incense over it. You have to say the rights of ignition and push a button. And if that doesn't work, you have to get the, you know, hammer of authority and whack it thrice on the side. (laughs) The holy jumper Exactly right. All joking aside. I believe that's called percussive (laughs) maintenance. that, That is exactly what it's like. And that extends to all aspects of imperial life. And, of course, the Mechanicum are out there in the field helping and training. And really two other organizations that they kind of work hand in glove with. The first is the Astra Militarum, because there are so many vehicles and so many kind of or so much logistics associated with armament and rearmament uh, and maintenance they have a type of tech priest called an engine seer who is a battlefield mechanic uh, who who is accompanied by usually monotask servitors which have lifting equipment or welding equipment some additional uh, heavy machinery that can be used to repair damaged vehicles on site and get them back in the fight. The other organization that the Mechanicum interacts with quite regularly are the individual chapters of Space Marines, of the Adeptus Astartes. The Space Marines have a special... Well, the Space Marines have a specialist group of garage mechanic Space Marines called Tech Marines. And the Tech Marines are trained on Mars. So every year... New kind of candidates are sent from the thousand chapters to Mars to be trained in how to maintain and operate all of the vehicles and weapons that are used uh, in the uh, in the in the chapter when it goes to war. This creates two kind of uh, relationships. One, the chapter doesn't really need to have any representative of the Mechanicus uh, with them when they go to war. They have their tech marines who are loyal to the chapter first and foremost. The second second relationship then is that even though the tech marines are part of the chapter, they are not considered 100% loyal. They are held in suspicion for two reasons. The first is no one else really knows how all these machines work. And so the tech marines are in a really strong position uh, of power, which they never really take advantage of, to make sure that not only are the the war machines working, the tanks, but also that the dreadnoughts, the kind of walking, angry life support systems of the space marines are functional, and the passengers, if we'll call them that, are uh, able to interact uh, fully. Do the tech marines see them? Are they loyal? 
Like, do they view themselves as pure Astartes? They view themselves as 100% loyal to the chapter, but the chapter views them as like 98% loyal because they have this relationship with Mars. These individual Marines have a relationship with the priesthood of the Mechanicum, so there's an open question as to, can we really trust these uh, guys because they could switch off all of our equipment with the correct kind of words sacrilegious oil no i've gone wrong no, it's gone. <laughs> yeah the dark massage yeah. oil of technology the, <laughs> the evil duracell hamsters of mars who can say <laughs> you know it comes down to still the mechanicus being part of the imperium but not of the imperium it's that st- they're still viewed as allies with hidden agendas, which really, on a day like today, it's so hot you'd want your agenda uncovered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Kral. Mm-hmm. Kral has a mm-hmm. fully like uncovered agenda right now. Mate. Put your agenda away. So that, my uh, friends, swinging free <laughs> was the <laughs> haphazard analysis of the Adeptus Mechanicus. Join us when we go full Monty for the deep dive of the Adeptus Mechanicus, <laughs> which I'm working out will now be about eight episodes long. <laughs> wow. I think that's fucking great. Love, I like them more than the Imperium of Man. I, I have a feeling I'm going to not like the Imperium of Man the most, though, anyway. And yeah, like learning more about Adeptus Mechanicus and hand-in-hand with how they work with the Imperium and how everything is a ceremony in terms of like, you can't just switch the engine on no, 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 no. You've got to say prayers and all this yep. bollocks. I'm also looking forward to hearing about the orcs. I'm going to start because I'm going to start doing be... that in my house just to see if my technology like works better. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe do a little prayer. It's like praying to your Xbox. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Please don't overheat. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop making that horrible grinding sound. I will. <laughs> I will pour some incense in your slots i think that's why it's making that grinding sound <laughs> yep that almost certainly <laughs> yeah that was badass love that so I, did you cover this is there one of oh, there's the omnissiah who's kind of the idol this myth the legend of yeah. which the uh adeptus mechanicus kind of worship slash revere but is there kind of an actual chief in command like mr adeptus mechanicus it's a fantastic question. There is the Fabricator General of Mars, who is also a High Lord of Terra. So these are the, okay. the Council yeah. of Twelve that go in. That is not to say that there are other Fabricator Generals, in quotes, who uh, are members of other craft worlds, like the craft world of Ryza, where you know plasma technology, the understanding and capacity to produce plasma weapons is as good there as it was during the heresy or during the Great Crusade. So the best plasma weapons come from there, yeah. That is not to say there's no internal politics between them. Mm. And indeed, a lot of uh, uh, skirmishes are fought between the various forge worlds and their forces when it comes to being able to get hold of uh, individual artifacts or what have you, to be able to increase their capacity and understanding of machines to be able to produce. 
But in general, but in general, the fabricator general uh, of Mars is Mr. Mechanicus. Got it. Yeah, John Mechanicus. Yeah. That's a great business card, isn't it? Mr. Mechanicus. I want that. Fabricator general. You could underestimate the authority there. Oh, fabricator general. Yeah, is your boss around? I am the fucking yeah. boss. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm looking for. Oh, <laughs> I'm looking for more of a kind of fabricator specific. If you've got one, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, Boo. Just general shit's not really. Boo. <laughs> fabricator field marshal. Yeah, that's the highest one. <laughs> cool. Shall I wrappy wrappy uppy? Sure thing, bro. Yippee. 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 All right, that's all from us. Thank you so much for listening. Details and imagery for the topics we've discussed in this podcast can be found on our website at layingdownthelore.com. We also have all our previous episodes on there, release schedules, merchandise, and you can sign up for the Laying Down the Lore newsletter, which includes exclusive info about upcoming releases, behind-the-scenes chat, and some extra lore not covered in the podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard in this episode and you want to support us, head over to patreon.com forward slash laying down the lower 40k and sign up today for as little as three pounds. This will give you access to our Discord server so you can come and tell us exactly what you think of Kral and his non-top wearing antics. We will be back again soon displaying just how little Chris and I know. Until then, Chiro. 01011110. <laughs> Four.